you have your Bibles, please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. No pain, no gain. But what if that pain, we don't see any gain in, only loss? What if the pain, instead of growing us, has only broken us down further? So many of us have hurts and pains that others only get a tiny glimpse of. In our attempt to be fine, we bury the the pain by attempting to masquerade the outer perception of ourselves to others. If only someone knew what it was like to live with this inner pain that we have inside. If only they knew what's really going on beneath the surface, causing me to sink into despair. This inner pain that we all try to avoid is grief. Today we're going to be looking at, number one, defining grief, number two, illustrating grief, and number three, overcoming grief. Number one, defining grief. Someone defined grief as the following. Grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Someone else said, grief is the feeling of reaching out for someone who's always been there, only to discover when I need her or him one more time, she's no longer there. According to the dictionary, grief is the keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss. Sharp sorrow, painful regret. A cause or occasion of keen distress or sorrow. Now Strong's defines grief as distress, pain, to be in heaviness, to be sorrowful. The HELPS word study is even more detailed on this. The idea here is deep grief to experience deep emotional pain or sadness, severe sorrow. It is very intense and hence even used of the pain of childbirth. Although there are many uses of the word grief in the Old Testament, one of the Hebrew words that's used is yagon which is where we get our word agony from. Sorrow, grief. Knowing how a word is defined is better seen in how it's used and what the context says particularly. Number two, illustrating grief. Grief comes upon us due to many different reasons. Let's take a look at some of these. The first way that grief comes upon us is growing in wisdom and knowledge. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 says this, I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness and have gained more knowledge than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. For in much wisdom 
is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. You see, whenever we look into the deeper meaning or a background of whatever it is that we're searching out, whether it's something historically, or looking back historically, seeing what is it that's happened in the past, or even searching the scriptures, we've come to the reality that now we are responsible for what we know. When people ask me, Pastor Roman, what are your thoughts on whatever the topic is? I'm careful to share those things. Because some things I don't know. And I wish I had the answers to. The unfortunate thing is the things I do understand very clearly bring me grief many times. They bring me to the point of really not wanting to say much about the subject. I've been asked recently, why have you not posted much about Ukraine, Pastor Roman? Because the truth is, I think there's enough out there for everybody to be aware of the situation. When you go back historically and understand the backdrop to all of this going on, it is the equivalent of people trying to support a nation while standing on the sidelines, leaving them hanging due to previous years of abandonment. Unfortunately, what others are excited about, we see will be their undoing when it comes to their finances, relationships, walk with God, because we've grown in wisdom ourselves in seeing those things for what they are. When we go through the personal study of the word, or having gone through certain circumstances ourselves, we see things differently. Simply getting older puts perspective in our lives, does it not? Simply going through certain things that others have not had to go through yet puts perspective in our lives. And it brings about grief. Because we have people all around us that we care for so deeply, and they're making poor choices. They're not seeing things for what they are. And it brings us to the point of grief, because we understand. And we are very familiar with that, because we've grown in our wisdom and understanding. There's knowledge that we've grown in. There's a grief behind the scenes that I believe the older have that the younger do not fully understand. Because they have not longed for wisdom. There's also another reason for grief, and that is the consequences of sin. In Psalm 31, verses 9 through 10, the New Living Translation, here's what it says. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. You see, the truth is many people really grieve behind the scenes when it comes to the past that they so readily admit they have. You see, the psalmist David understands that his sin is the cause of his grief here. This is a man that understands where his grief is coming from, and he pleads for God's restoration. We know even at an early age when we were caught with something that we didn't want anyone to find out. The dread. 
the internal struggle that we had to the point of having to deal with that, the grief that followed soon after. What's even more difficult sometimes is the consequences of sin because of someone else doing something to us. There's a deep sorrow attached to that. There's a memory, there's flashbacks of things that have been done in the past to us that we go, God, I can't take it. I can't deal with this. Make it go away. Not everyone gets it, though. Which is why James writes these words to Christians that like to play both sides with God and the world. James 4, 8 through 10 in the New Living Translation says this, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You see, so many just want to pretend that they're just fine. Trying to have it both ways, one foot in the world, one foot in in the Word of God, and with His people. There ought to be a sadness of how unfaithful we are. And what we've been doing should resonate what we've done before God. So much so that David does what's right here and repenting before God, grieving over his sin. So many disciples of Jesus think that they know, don't have any sin to repent of. In fact, if you were to ask many American Christians, when was the last time that they grieved over any particular sin that they've committed, many would say years ago. I don't know what it is that happens, but I struggle with this myself. What is it about when I was a younger Boy, I was more sensitive to offending God. Now, for those of you that don't know, I grew up in a Christian home. So my parents taught me the ways of God. Some of you came to Saving Faith later on. But I think we, what we become is professional Christians after a while. We know the lingo. We talk the talk. But truth is, we don't walk the walk. We tell everyone else what they ought to do with their sin. But when it comes to our own, it's been a while since we've grieved. It's been a while since we've really asked, with tears in our eyes, Father, forgive me. The last time we've cried tears is before our family and friends. The truth is, we're falsely living under the pretense that now we are happy all the day. We grieve only over the consequences of sin, not in a repentant manner, but rather a selfish one. Not wanting to deal with the consequences that lay before us. I got caught, I'm going to now cry my crocodile tears because I don't want to deal with the consequences. We're rather selfish. 
wanting to do what we want without having to face the consequences of that sin. And not realizing that many times internally it's destroying us. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says this, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. There is a proper sorrow and an improper sorrow when it comes to God. If the grief you and I experience from committing sin pushes us away from that sin and closer to God, it is ultimately to our benefit and the sorrow that God would have his children experience. A.W. Pink said it best, after grief for sin, there should be joy for forgiveness. We've mentioned all these reasons for grief so far. The most common one that everyone mentions, though, when the topic of grief comes up, is the loss of a loved one. We do not have a lot of time to unpack the story of Lazarus, but there are so many practical things in John chapter 11 that really get at the heart of every person who has lost a loved one. Jesus finds out that his friend Lazarus is dead. He goes back to Bethany to perform the incredible miracle of resurrection as Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. But tucked away in the narrative is something everyone that is grieving asks God when that loved one is gone. In John chapter 11, verses 20 and 21, listen to what it says. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. That is Jesus. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jump down to verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you had been here, this would have never happened. My brother would not have died. Essentially, I know you care, but you weren't here to stop this from happening. And I think the reality is all of us that have lost a loved one ask these questions. God, why couldn't you have given me one more chance to see them in person? You could have stopped this from happening. Why didn't you? Why didn't they get a chance to recover? Others I know did that also had COVID. This grief is very deep internal pain. Jesus himself weeps showing that he cares. But as so often happens to the outsiders looking in, and we all are outsiders when others are grieving, they begin to pile on. I've been there and done that myself. 
John 11, 36 and 37, listen what it says. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? You see, Jesus has already performed other miracles like causing blinded eyes to see. Couldn't he have stopped this man from dying? Can't your God do anything? Why didn't he stop this circumstance from going the way that it did? Why didn't he stop your loved one from dying? These are questions we wrestle with. There's so much that can be gleaned from in this chapter on the deep grief that we experience when we lose a loved one. We know that Lazarus does get raised from the dead, but it does not negate the practical implications of what scriptures reveal to us about the state of the human condition when faced with the loss of a loved one. You see, Jesus does care for his own. Those that have lost a loved one. There's a hymn that I think really brings this truth right out. Does Jesus Care by Frank Graff. Listen to the last verse of this. And I know we've sung this before. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? And then the chorus with a resounding yes. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. There's just some things no other human being can do for us when we're touched with that kind of grief. Listen, church, the Savior cares for his own. It is because of this care for us that we should care enough for others, so much so that we want them to be with Christ as the Apostle Paul himself did. Another reason for grief, and this is one that I think many Christians have lost, the souls of men. The souls of men. Romans 9, verses 1 through 3 says this. This is Paul speaking. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul is essentially saying it grieves him so much that his fellow Jewish brothers do not know Christ that he would be willing to be personally cut off from Christ, essentially sent to hell. Here's the ultimate question when it comes to grief. 
when it pertains to the souls of men. Do we care to this extent for the lost around us? Does it grieve us that people that we know are going to end up apart from God's love, bliss, and joy? Does it break our hearts to the point of tears that those around us are dying and spending an eternity in the lake of fire for the rejection of Christ? Do we really take it seriously enough what Christ has done on our behalf? Do we really grasp the utter hopelessness the unsaved world has? It goes beyond someone getting bombed. This is eternity we're talking about. It goes beyond a virus. This is the soul of mankind. Every student and parent that comes in for a Christian education, we realize that their soul is at stake. This grief that Paul experienced for his brethren should prompt us to look into our own hearts and see if we truly grasp the incredible grace of God in our own lives. Have you been moved enough to feel the deep grief for others around you that are lost? For family and friends that are apart from Christ? You see, the truth is, if God has worked in our hearts, we will have that grief. That's a godly sorrow. We've looked at many different reasons for grief. Some of them we are very familiar with. Others not so much. The question becomes, how do we overcome grief? Essentially the type of grief that tends to destroy us rather than build us up. Number three, overcoming grief. truth is maybe the best way in overcoming grief is not to eliminate it, but to accept it as something that, first of all, is a part of life. It's a part of life. Everybody's familiar with this text, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 4. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. The reality is, church, grief is a part our life. And one way that you can overcome grief, the type that destroys you and me, is to understand that it is part of life. We will experience it. It does not go away. 
another thing when it comes to overcoming grief we need to realize is that it brings us closer to God. I love what Dostoevsky said about this. He said, the darker the night, the brighter the stars. The deeper the grief, the closer is God. Solomon has something very similar to this to pay attention to in chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. He says this, Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. You see, God, God has ordained that grief be a reminder to us of the shortness of life. The fact that we all have an exit in this life, only to enter eternity. Grief, especially when losing a loved one, puts things back into perspective, does it not? Essentially, it should be a reminder to us once again about eternity. I like the way the NLT puts verse 3. It says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Those of you that have gone through this personal grief, you know exactly what this verse is talking about. You know exactly what this verse is talking about. The refining effect that grief has in your life. God is refining us in grief. The grief that we experience with the death of a loved one. But he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. One of the things that we need to realize in overcoming grief is that this also, this aspect of grief gives us hope for the future. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 14. says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Here's a reality check, church. It ends at some point in this life, but it doesn't end forever. There is hope beyond this life, there's a hope for the future. Death is not the end for the saint. We have a hope that we will see our loved ones when we see Christ. So many difficult things in our lives that were worth it later. One day, the very difficult death of a loved one will be worth the wait. Particularly the saints. 
that have gone before us. And for those of you that are grieving, there's a text of Scripture that is always there to bring you that hope in the future. Revelation 21, verse 4. I promise you, this is a promise for all the saints in glory. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. The truth is, church, overcoming grief is only done by experiencing it the way God would want you to experience it. In the sense of lining it up to what his word has to say. You cannot eliminate it entirely. In fact, there is a benefit to grief that many of us miss. One of those benefits is also found in the fact that it is shared by Christ himself. It's shared by Christ himself. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So church, before you grieve to the point of despair, understand that Jesus has been there. Jesus understands what grief is. The Savior is familiar with grief to the point of taking our griefs upon his shoulders. He carried them. Our weaknesses, he carried them on his shoulders. Church, he cares for us. So in conclusion, what brings about grief? What brings about grief? What is it in your life that brings about grief? Is it past sin that you simply cannot get over, that you've committed? Is there something way back to when you were a child or a teenager, those of us that are adults, that constantly brings us flashbacks and brings us to grief? Maybe it's something that we've done that we know God was displeased with and we know God has forgiven us but we still grieve over it. And I encourage you to realize that those sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That grief of despair is not what God would want you to have. The grief that we have over sin should cause us to desire to fight that sin. 
rather than sulk in misery. Maybe that sin was committed against us. And every time we think of that person or that situation, it brings us to the point of grief. Church, I'm here to tell you that everything that you've gone through in this life that seems impossible for everyone to understand, Jesus has experienced infinitely times more. His closest friends were not there for him in his darkest hour. You want to talk about having hard days. Imagine knowing you're about to be crucified and all the people that you've invested in have left you alone. And this is where Jesus leaves us an example that we should follow. All of those things that we think we may be able to get help with are not available by anybody else but God himself. Jesus, the Son, knows that the Father is the only one he can turn to at that time. And that is something we need to be reminded of. We may have others that come along and encourage us and comfort us and help us. That is part of the way that God works in his word. But I dare say many times, it is the quiet moments where it's just us and God himself that we will find that comfort in the grief that we experience. Maybe you've been grieved by the choices of others around you. They're causing you hurt. Maybe you have family and friends that are making poor choices in life. Maybe they've outright rejected your faith. Really brings you to the point of grief behind the scenes. Nobody in the church knows that you've been crying for your children behind the scenes. That you've been crying for those that you love behind the scenes. God knows. He cares. Realize that you can always turn to him. And that grief that you have for the souls of others that are lost is a desire that God has placed in your heart. And don't let the world quench that. Maybe the grief that you're experiencing, especially at a massive scale now, is the loss of a loved one. Maybe having lost your spouse constantly breaks you down. You're right when you say no one else understands because many have not lost what you have. Jesus understands. His heart is touched with your grief. And if your loved one knows Christ, you have a glorious hope to look forward to. Does the grief that you experience prompt you to holy living, saint? 
or simply to sin and despair? Does it prompt you to holy living with hope or simply sin and despair? We've all been there. We've all done that. When there's a deep internal sadness we don't want to have to deal with anymore, we sort of give up. And we just let our flesh take over. And we feel like it's owed us to be able to do whatever it is that we want to no longer have to deal with that pain. Which is why most of the world numbs the pain with all sorts of things that really bring even more sorrow in the future. It's unfortunate, but many try to laugh away their pain. They try to avoid the grief that they're dealing with by doing things that will only bring them more grief, by being around people that will only hurt their walk with God more. This is the part that I probably find most stunning, is that many saints of God that are going through grief will go to the world for help rather than the Word of God and other saints. They will find their buddy at work to go have a beer with and avoid the saint that could encourage them. They will do everything they can to avoid the grief that they're dealing with. The reality is we can't avoid it. It must be dealt with. There is a real pain there. It's one thing to grieve the loss of a loved one and the loss of a life, as many are right now around the world. But do we grieve for the souls of others? Do we grieve beyond the fact that someone may have their life end, that they have an eternity awaiting them? We are only partway concerned as believers, if we do not care about their soul. It should be in our best interest to protect the innocent in this world. Those that have nothing to do with the wicked governments that have been set up throughout history and time. But the greater concern for the saint of God, the disciple that's following Christ, is that they bring about more than that. They bring them the gospel. The Ukrainians need more than protection, church. They need Christ. It's important for us to realize the role that grief plays in our lives. To be encouraged by the way that God is using it to bring us to himself. Now listen, you can either ignore it or accept it and have it bring you closer to God. Realize that grief is there for believers and unbelievers to realize that there's a God-shaped hole that they really do have. He's not far from any one of us. If you're grieving yet but do not know Christ... Your first step is repentance 
to turn away from your sin, turn in faith to him. And that is done, as scripture says, to confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Christ has already done everything necessary for your salvation. If you've been redeemed, don't miss this saint. You have a Savior that is aware of what you're going through. And he also knows that he's put you on this earth for a reason. And he's comforted you so that you now can comfort someone else. It doesn't terminate with you. Nowhere in Scripture is it encouraged for us to sulk in self-pity but rather to, with the comfort that we've been comforted with, to comfort others. You may say, well, I can't really comfort this person this way. I haven't exactly gone through what they have. But you've lost someone that you loved. You can comfort because some things have hurt you very deeply. Many of us experience grief different ways. But when it says in Scripture that we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and grieve or weep with those that weep, those are not optional. Those are things that we are called to. You want to see a change in the church? Start caring for other people the way we ought to. Start grieving with people when they're going through things. And stop pretending that you and I have it all together. Some of us that have been saints for years, we're just like, no, I'm already graduated from sharing with anybody else. I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years. I can't show people that I really still grieve. If your Lord and Savior Jesus can weep, so can you. If he can be touched by the needs with compassion towards others, so can you. You're called to much more, church. The world is watching. Why are we so silent? Why are we so afraid to share that we really are concerned for our coworkers that do not know Christ? You realize some of the greatest men that God has called, their mother's tears are what they remember. Their mother's grieving over their souls is what they remember. If you have family and friends who reject the truth of Christ, realize that Jesus knows that grief personally. In fact, he cried over Jerusalem. Simply put, if you're struggling with grief, church, cry out to Jesus.